Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. Glad that you are here with us today. We know each week we get a number of different types of people that come. Some are coming uh, because it's your church home. And others are coming because you're looking for a church home. There are others maybe coming just to just check God out, maybe just to see if a possible relationship with the creator of the universe is something that you want in your world. And some are, again, looking for that place they can call their church home. So however you are here today, whatever reason brings you, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for coming, and we hope that you feel welcomed in this space. And for those who would like to get a little bit more information about our church, we've got a a new place here in our church called our Connection Center. It's a spot that you can stop and get some information. We've got a little packet of information that you can grab. It'll teach you a little bit more about our church family to help you navigate and decide if you think this might be the place that God wants you to connect and plug in. So we're glad that you're here today. Now, last week, we wrapped up our Living Beyond Myself series. And I strongly encouraged all of us to be involved in what we call the hope of the world, that is, the local church. We believe the Bible teaches that Jesus is the hope of the world, and he has entrusted local churches with that message to carry to a world that desperately needs to hear a message of hope, love, and forgiveness. It's been entrusted to local churches, and so There is no greater thing than we can do than spend some of our time, our talents, and resources through a local church, what God is doing in local communities around the world. And I strongly encourage you to get active. If you call this your church home, to get active here. If there's another church home that, that you have or another church that you like better, I strongly encourage you to get active in that place that you call your church home. Well, just to give you a quick update on that, we have some amazing volunteers around here that pull off what happens every Sunday. There's a bunch of volunteers in our back section back there with our Epic Kids, volunteers that help set up this room and transform it, set up the signs out there. Well, we had, uh, throughout this past series, over 40 new volunteers decide to get in that serving game. And I would just like to say thank you to all of our volunteers, whether you serve regularly or this is a new serving experience for you. I'm excited for what you're going to experience on that journey. I think through serving, we all learn to become a little bit more like Jesus. As we looked at last week, the reality that Jesus, when he was with his disciples, they were at a dinner party and there was no foot washing servant there, something that was common in their culture. And the disciples are all looking around going, well, I'm not washing your stinky feet. And Jesus said, I'll do it. So Jesus got up, picked up a towel, and he served. He served his disciples. And then he told his disciples, look, this is what I want you to do for each other. So what you watched me do, I want you to learn how to do for others around you. So God wants all of us to serve. I'm excited for anybody that's engaging God in the serving process. Now, this morning, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles and turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles at the back of each seating section, so feel free now if you want to jump up and run back there and grab a Bible, feel free to do that. This would be a great space for you to do that. And you'll find paperback Bibles in the back of those sections. Now, Mark chapter 4, it's found on page 764 in our paperback Bibles. And if you have another Bible, you're on your own for the page number. All right, today we're starting a new series entitled Miracles. 
The reality is that in the first four books of the New Testament part of the Bible, that's the part of the Bible written from the life of Jesus and beyond, uh, the first four books of the Bible are known as the Gospels. And the Gospels record the life of Jesus. They record the reality that while Jesus was here, he performed many miracles. Those are supernatural things that only God could do. Jesus walked on water. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus even raised the dead, an amazing miracle that he performed in a moment. He performed many other miracles. Jesus was doing things that only God himself could do, demonstrating that he's God in the flesh. Now, my hope and prayer through this series is that as we watch God perform miracles, our faith will be strengthened, will be in awe of our great God, and that we will believe him for the stuff that only he can do. You might be in a situation that you go, I'm just not sure there's any hope for the situation that I'm in. I'm here to tell you this morning there is. And we serve a God of miracles. And he can perform one in your situation that you're in. Now today we're going to start with the miracle of Jesus calming the storm. So again, Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 35. As evening came... Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Now let's just pause there for just a moment and we'll, we'll pick back up. So we have Jesus and his disciples. They are in a boat, and most likely it was a fishing boat, probably not similar to this fishing boat we have here on stage, if you can see it. But they're in a boat and they're headed across a lake to the other side. Now, how many of you are boating people? How many boaters do we have here? Keep your hand held high. All right, like how many of you wish you were a boating person? Like how many of you wish you had that big cool yacht on the, you know, out there on the intercoastal? Well, that would, that would be cool too. You got like the price tag for it. You know, pay for gas would be a little rough. Um, anybody have any crazy boating experiences? Just like, you know, I just got a story that's just going to you know, blow your mind. I wish we could hear them. You know, when you do anything as a hobby or anything for any length of time, you're going to have a weird experience every once in a while. Now, most of my boating experiences happen around boats like this, smaller fishing boats. My, my grandfather fished, I think, like almost every day of his life. Uh, he passed away this past January. He was 92. And just a few days before he passed away, my uncle wheeled him out in his wheelchair to the dock where he climbed down into his fishing boat, went out fishing, caught some great fish, came home, and several days later was fishing with Jesus. So just a cool way for my granddad to, to end his life. He ended his life doing the stuff that he loves to do. So most of my fishing or boating experiences happened around smaller boats like this. When I was 15 years old, my older sister was dating a guy that lived on a rather large lake down in central Florida. And he said, hey, Trent, why don't we go out fishing one day? And I thought, all right, well, let's go fishing. I've done that before. And we got in a boat very similar to this, two seats kind of like this. I sat in the front and Studley sat in the back. You, I have a lot of affection for him. He sat in the back. And uh, we got away from the dock, and he opened the, the throttle on the motor wide open. And so we took off across the lake. And, and I thought after a while, as we were going faster and faster and faster and faster, that he was just showing off for my sister. 
And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be like bothered by him. I'm going to act cool. So I'm going to sit here and act like this is cool. And the boat's going faster and faster, and we're, we're going back and forth. And I'm not turning around to look at him um, because I'm cool. So I'm, I'm sitting up here. I'm going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, I can't be cool anymore because I got to grab onto something because we're going so out of control. So I grab onto the sides of the boat. And at this point, we're going like this. And I'm thinking, OK, stop it already, all right? You're already dating my sister. You don't need to impress her. So we're going back and forth. And all of a sudden, it tips up on one side and dumps me and everything in it into an alligator-infested lake. So I'm in the middle of this decent-sized lake. And I'm watching this boat sink right next to me. And I'm treading water. And it's my own little private Titanic moment, you know, as you watch it go down. And I'm like, wow, this is really weird. So I'm looking then for Studley. Because I would like to tell him a few things that I'm thinking in that moment. I can't find Studley. I'm looking everywhere. I can't find him. I can't find him. I can't find him. And oh, there he is across the lake on the dock. How did he get on the dock? Uh, how is that possible for that to happen? So once we were able to reunite and hear the story of, of what transpired, Studley was in the back, and he leaned back in his seat right when we took off from the dock. The seat broke, and he rolled into the water. He rolled his arm across the throttle, opened it wide open, and sent me across the lake with no driver. <laughs> and it's one of those, you know, I wish I had a camera. Why wasn't there a video camera there? Because I would have won America's Funniest Videos or something. So that's my lame boating story. The disciples are in a boat. They didn't have as much fun as I did, but they are going to have uh, quite an experience in the boat that they are in with Jesus because a storm is about to come. So the verses we just read told us that they're crossing this lake, and this is no ordinary lake. This is actually the Sea of Galilee, which is the largest freshwater lake in the nation of Israel. It's found in the northeast corner of Israel and is approximately 13 miles long, eight miles wide, and it's about 700 feet below sea level. So grasp that for just a moment. And because of the terrain around the Sea of Galilee, it can be beautiful one moment, just one moment, just a beautiful day out on the sea, and the next moment, a storm can appear out of nowhere, and it can be a horrible storm, just like that. That's what happens in verse 37. But soon, a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. That's what happens in life, isn't it? It's storms. It's storms in our lives. It's storms in all of our lives. One moment, everything is going well, and we're just you know, excited to be alive. It's sunny and it's a beautiful day. And then the next moment, we get a phone call, get a message, something happens, and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this storm, and we're going, wow, where did this come from? Seems like it came from out of nowhere, and there's this, this storm that we found ourselves in might be a financial storm. Some of you know what that's like. Financial storm has appeared out of nowhere. Maybe it's a health storm where you're not sure what's happened, but your health is going down fast. Doesn't seem like you're getting any help from the doctors, and you're just not exactly sure what to do, which direction to turn. Your life is kind of turned upside down. Other, there, others of you may be in a relationship storm. 
All of a sudden, your relationship that you're in, a significant relationship that you thought was going so well, all of a sudden, it's not going so well. And you're not exactly sure what to do. We all face storms. None of us are storm-proof. A sad reality of life is that either you are currently in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're headed into a storm. Isn't that exciting? You came this morning to be encouraged, you know, by God's word, and I could pray and we could all go home just excited about life, right? Storms happen to all of us. No one is exempt from a storm. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter where you live. We all face storms. It's just a natural part of life. There are some storms that come our way because of decisions that we make. And sometimes we get into storms because we made some poor decisions. Decisions we knew we probably shouldn't have made. And maybe everybody told us, you know, you really shouldn't date that person. And and we did, thinking it's just going to work out, and it didn't work out so great. And maybe we knew we shouldn't make that risky financial decision, but we just thought, you know, if I, if I can just you know, make this one work, then we'll be set. And you got stuck, and it's not going so well. Or maybe there's like some secret thing that you thought, I, I can keep that on the back burner. Nobody else needs to know. It's just you know, my little thing. And then all of a sudden, that little thing's become a big thing. And it's got more control in your life than you have of it, and it feels like a storm is raging around you. Now, there are other storms that come at us, and they come at us because God has directed the boat of our life into those storms. That's what verse 35 told us when it was Jesus' idea to cross to the other side of the lake. So Jesus, being God, he knew what was going to happen. He knew a storm was going to come up. He knew how his disciples were going to respond to this. He knew what he was going to do in the midst of this storm. So there are moments... And I'm not excited about those moments, but there are moments that God says, yeah, I'm going to direct your boat, your life towards that storm that's coming your direction. And I don't fully know why God does that. I don't fully get it all. I do understand that there are moments that God strengthens us through storms. That's how we get stronger. I get that. But I also know it's a perfect place for miracles to happen. Miracles happen best in the midst of chaos. Miracles happen best in the moments where we go, there's, there's no hope. There's no hope for this thing. I don't know what else to do. That's where miracles happen best. So let's pick back up in our story and watch what Jesus does. So the, again, the disciples are in this terrible storm. And as we're about to find out, they think this is it. They think this is the moment that, that their lives are going to end. They're going to go to a watery grave here. And it's interesting that, that they felt that way because several of the disciples are professional fishermen. It's not their first day in a boat. This is not their first storm that they've, they've maneuvered themselves through. They, they know what storms are like. They know how to handle themselves in a boat during a storm. So for the disciples to feel the way that they're feeling shows this is the storm of all storms for them. And to make things worse, let's look at verse 38. Verse 38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, I'm not sure how Jesus could stay asleep in this moment. I'm not sure, you know, maybe he had one of those uh, posturepedic pillows that he was sleeping on that, that really kept him down, gave him some good solid sleep. But the disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I mean, they're panicking here. I mean, it's about over for them. Teacher, don't you care? 
Try to imagine for a moment what it would be like to be one of Jesus' disciples. So here you are in the boat. You're working so hard. You're doing everything you know professionally to do. I mean, you're professional at this, right? This is your area. You're doing everything you know. You're trying to keep the water out. You're trying to keep the boat from being capsized. You're doing anything and everything possible. And you've reached your end and you realize, I can't do anymore. So you turn around and where's Jesus? God in the flesh? He's asleep at the back of the boat. And he's got a cushion even, you know, I mean, make that a little bit worse. I mean, he could have been sleeping just on the hardwood, but no, he's got a cushion back there. I don't know if you ever identify with the disciples in moments like that, but I do in my life. There are moments that I'm doing everything I know possibly to do. I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm working as hard as I know how to work. And I turn around and I feel like, Jesus, where are you? Like, what are you doing at the back of the boat asleep? Or I, or I think maybe Jesus is ignoring me. I don't know which one irritates me more, the thought that he might be asleep or the thought that he's like actually ignoring me. But sometimes in the midst of our storms, we shout at God. I know I do. There are moments that we shout at God and say, how can you just lie there when my life is falling apart? How can you just do nothing when I'm in this financial storm and it looks like I'm about to lose everything? Maybe even our home. How can you just do nothing? How can you just sit there when my marriage is sinking? How can you just stay quiet when I'm in the midst of this storm and I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, and it seems like you're quiet? Whether we are in a storm because of our decisions or we're in a storm because of God's decisions, we need to remember a few things about our God and about the storms that we're in. First off, we need to remember that God knows exactly where we are in the middle of the storm. God has not lost you on his GPS. The wind and waves are not too much for God to know exactly where you are. So God is in control. God knows where you are. And God knows how to navigate you through the storm. He's the only one who knows how to navigate you through the storm. The next thing to remember is found in verse 38. It's that little irritating verse. We look back and see Jesus asleep back there. But the thing to remember is that God is always with you. God's always right with you. Again, no matter how you got in the storm, God is there in the storm with you. So when the disciples were freaking out, Jesus wasn't. He wasn't panicked. He wasn't worried that they, they weren't going to reach the other side. What Jesus knew is as long as he was with his disciples, they were going to be okay. It was going to be all right. He was going to use this storm to strengthen them and everything was going to be okay. A, f- a great verse in the Bible. I, I love to, to use it on my own life and encourage other people with it. It's found in Joshua 1.9. This is God speaking I think this verse is still very applicable for us today. So imagine God speaking this to you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There is not a storm that you can face in life that God's not with you. There's not a storm that your little boat can head into that God doesn't know about and that he's not already there in the midst of the storm with you, to guide you through it. In Psalms 23, 
a guy by the name of King David. He said this about God. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you, meaning God, are close beside me. So in those moments that we're wondering, can you even hear me? Do you even care about what I'm going through? I hope verses like those and verses like Psalms 3417 will come to our minds. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He hears us. He hears you. When you call to him, he hears. He's not asleep. The Bible teaches that our God never sleeps and never slumbers. He hears you. And he rescues them from all their troubles. All their troubles. God will rescue you. God will help you through this storm. It may not be how you want to get through the storm. It may not be when you want to get through the storm, but you can rest assured that you will get through this storm as long as God is with you. And he's already said, I'm always with you. So it's a win situation. Mark 4, verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly... The wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I think the greater miracle in the disciples' story there, in that situation with that storm, the greater miracle than calming the storm was what God was doing inside his disciples. He was showing them, I am God in the flesh. I am more powerful than this storm you're in. I'm more powerful than any storm you'll ever face. And as you read through the rest of the New Testament, you understand the disciples face some serious storms, bigger than this one. And I'm sure they drew back on this experience and and thought, Jesus was with me then. Jesus is going to be with me now. He's going to see me through this. So God was doing an amazing thing in his disciples. That's where the bigger miracle was happening. And I think the greater miracle in our lives, beyond just answering whatever that question is that you have or solving that problem that we have, the bigger miracle is what God does in us, inside you and me. That's what God is after. He's after a transformation that happens in here so we don't have to be afraid in the midst of the storm. You don't have to be fearful. We can learn how to be like Jesus in the midst of that storm. We can learn how to be calm and at peace in the midst of a storm. Now turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 for a quick moment. Again, found on page 738 in our paperback Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Now, in this passage, Jesus uses another storm analogy. And in this storm analogy, he's going to talk to us about how to navigate some of the storms of life. And he's got this little secret in this little passage that can transform our lives and help us make it through whatever storm that we're facing. We're going to start in verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. 
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So what's your life built upon? Is it built upon the teachings of Jesus? Or is it built upon some other thing that you're trying to use to navigate your life with? The reality is that the teachings of Jesus are the only thing that will help us through the storms of life. In this passage, Jesus says, anyone who listens to his teachings and applies them to their lives will weather the storms that they face. So that anyone means anyone. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter whether you've been connected with God or not before. Doesn't matter what you've done. Anyone means anyone. Anyone who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus and then applies those teachings to their lives will navigate the storms of their life. And then Jesus says, on the contrary, those who don't apply his teachings won't do so well in the storms of life. So are you learning and are you applying the teachings of Jesus? They are the key. Application of what Jesus is talking about is the key for us to be able to navigate the storms that we're in. So just a quick recap for us. During a storm, we need to stay focused on a few things. That God knows exactly where we are. God is always right with us. He hears our cries for help. He knows how to get us through this storm. And the bigger miracle that he's working on is the miracle that happens inside us for us to become more like Jesus. That's his goal, to be at peace like Jesus was at peace in the midst of that storm. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Let's pray together. Lord, the reality of life is that we all face storms. There's no one here today that is storm-proof. Lord, and there are storms that come because of poor decisions that we make, and there are storms that come because you've directed our life into that storm because you want to do something in us. But Lord, regardless of how we got into the storm, you're right there with us, and you want to help us through the storm. You want to strengthen us through the storm. And you want to do a miracle, Lord, in our situation the greatest miracle of all is what happens inside us as we become transformed. With each storm, we come a little bit more like Jesus. So Lord, I pray for us today. There, I'm sure, are a number of people that are in the middle of a storm and they're not exactly sure where to go or what to do. Lord, I pray they would look to you. I pray that they would be encouraged and reminded that you are always with them. I pray that they would learn to apply your teachings, dive into your word and apply that to their lives. I pray that you would calm their hearts. I pray they would learn to have the gift that Jesus gives us, peace. A peace that passes all understanding. So Lord, guide us through the storms of our lives and may we be in awe of you as we watch you perform miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that a great truth that God is always with us? And so just latch on to that and uh, 
always, when you are in the midst of those storms, latch on to him and cry out. Um, I just have a few announcements, so if you would be seated for a second, uh, just got a few things that I want to let you know that's going on around here at Epic. Uh, last night was Epic Surge's kickoff night, and so that is our ministry to middle schoolers and high schoolers, so if you miss out on it, uh, don't miss out on any more. Uh, you can continue to keep up with what they are doing. Just go to Facebook and join them, Epic Surge, uh, if you want to know what's going on throughout the year. Uh, as they would love to have you as well. And then, uh, as you might know, our Epic Kids uh, back there has expanded. And we have broken out our K through third group, and then we also have a fourth through six. And so if you are a fourth through sixth grader, check it on out back there. It's a great environment uh, that they have, and they would love to have you as they are gaining momentum in that area as well. And then uh, next week, starting point and next step uh, we are having an intro uh, right after each service. If you would like to join those small group environments, um, after each service, we will have a 15-minute presentation on exactly what starting point is and what next step is, and you can sign up for actual groups at that moment. If you are interested in joining starting point, which is our 10-week conversational small group environment where you actually cover the epic story of God, find out um, what is his story, where's your place in it, uh, we would love to have you so you can just jump on in. If you are interested in joining our small group environments, please go to our groups tab on our website and sign up for it to let us know about how many of you are jumping into Starting Point. And then if you've been in Starting Point, please jump into Next Step. That's the next environment after that so that you can jump into long-term small groups around here as well. And then uh, coming up on September 23rd, we are having an epic day at the park. And this is just something fun that we do every once in a while. If you'd like to get to know more people, we usually have some crazy game. Somebody gets hurt, usually Trent or myself or something like that. Um, but come on out. We'll stay away from the boats. But anyways, um, come on out. It's going to be at 5 p.m. on Sunday at Wadsworth. Uh, bring enough food for you or your family, or if you want to bring food for everybody, you can do that. Now, uh, but bring food for yourselves. Invite friends. Invite people that you might know and come uh, hang out with us on that day as well. And then we are having a Habitat build. Uh, last month, we did the food drive and clothing drive. And one of the things that we believe wholeheartedly is the way that we can make an impact in our local community is by providing food, shelter, and clothing. So this is the one of the ways that we want to impact our community. Come on out to this Habitat build that will help a family that needs their own home. And you can do that. And so we need about 30 of you people, whether you you know, know how to throw a hammer or not, that's okay. Uh, I think Trent doesn't know how, and he hit his thumb last time. But anyways, um, come on out. It's a great time to build a house. It's the beginning, so we're going to need a lot of help. Uh, you'll see walls go up that day, and it's really a cool thing. So come out and do that. And if you would like to be on our food team, you can do that as well. We need about, as I said, 30 people. If you go to the Involve tab, on our website and sign up because those spots fill up really fast. Uh, we would love for you to do that as well. And then also besides giving of our time and our talents, God asks us to give us a portion back of our resources to him so that we can continue to invest in this community, continue to connect people to God, continue to make a difference in children's lives, continue to see families' lives restored, uh, broken lives restored. And so that's why God asks us to give a portion back to him so that he can continue to do a great work right here in our local community. So our giving boxes, if you call Epic Home, are located at the back of your aisles. You can give there or also you can give online at www 
the Epic Church as well. And last week, we had a bunch of you stay after. If you have time, we would love for you to stay afterwards. Um, and since it's kind of a new setup and everything, just come up here to the front and see me, and I'll kind of let you know uh, where you can go and where you can help and everything like that. We would love for you, if you could, have time to stay and help us out. But if not, thank you so much uh, for being here today, and we look forward to seeing you back next week. Have a great day.